In our culture, we learn through stories. But what if the stories we hear don't match the reality of life? What if the stories we hear every day that tell us how to write the narrative of our lives actually lead us to a false narrative? My name is Tim Kroll, and on this podcast, you will hear real stories. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Real people sharing the hard times, the bends in the roads along life's journey. If you're ready to join a community of other real people who are writing the narrative of their lives, then go to narrative.live and join the community. Now let's dive into today's show. Today's Becky's day, and she is going to share with us her story. I've actually known Becky for several years. We contacted through your husband, Scott, and then you've been running several different events. We've been involved in some very large events here in Gaylord. Let's start with this. Give me like a 30 second. If nobody ever met you before, what should they know about Becky? Oh, gosh. Oh, man. (laughs) Don't mean to put you on the spot, but what what should people know about you? What should you know about me? Well, that is a tough question, honestly, because like, I feel like so many times we tell people what we do rather than who we actually are, you know? And so when you say like, what do I want people to know about me? Honestly, I would say, Tim, that I want people to know that I love Jesus, that I love my family, and that I have a passion to help people understand who they are in Jesus. That's what I want people to know. And that's why I, I love that you brought that up, because that's really what the narrative is all about, is we've really started designing these stories specifically to find out more than just what you do. Too often, yeah. that's all we talk about, right? Yep. And so let's just jump into the story. Let's just go that route. Yeah, whatever, man. Yeah, so let's go ahead and get started with that part of it. And I know that a lot of stuff is going to come out as we talk about the stories, but what was it like? What were the beliefs? And a lot of times I call them the false narratives that you had as a child, right before you stepped into your adult life. What was that concept of this is how I'm going to run my life? This is how it's going to be. What was it like in your mind and in in your your childhood growing up there? Yeah, I love that the angle that you guys are taking with this because my I grew up in a very conservative Christian home. Awesome. So thankful for all of eternity for my foundation. My parents were, they, they are still around and they love Jesus. They taught us to love Jesus. That, that was priority number one in our home. And we grew up in a really tiny town and we went to a really tiny church and it was just, you know, it was very conservative. And I really believed that my job as a female Christian was to want to work in the kitchen. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like do potlucks and serve soup and stuff. And I was like, like the thought of that, Tim, you know, my personality, (laughs) no, that that was like, I rejected that with everything in my person. And I, I couldn't figure out why I was like, God, am I just this crazy shrew that needs to be tamed? That's really what I thought about who I was. Cause I'm like, wild. You know, I wanted to like be outside and running around and I'm loud and I, I love, you know, dancing and all that stuff. And so I was really, I want to say, though I, I was, I am so grateful for the foundation. And I went through a period in my early high school years where I had a good friend that was not a believer and was constantly challenging me you know, questioning like, well, what is it that you believe and why do you believe it? And I knew what I believed. I just didn't know why, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Can I pause though? Because I think this is a big, a a big question. And a lot of people, 
and I've had a lot of people say this, you know, that they grew up believing that they had to act a certain way or be a certain way. And really what I, what I want to ask is what was the root behind that? Why did you come to a conclusion? Was there something somebody said? Was it the society that was telling you that you had to act this way? Mm-hmm. Was it an example of somebody that was living? Did you want to be like somebody? You had a hero. What created that whole, that whole concept that that's what you had to do? Honestly, it's just all I saw. It's just what I saw. Like, you know, in in our church, that's what I saw. I saw the ladies in the kitchen and the guys out hanging out. And, you know, the kids were just running around. And so I I thought that that was going to be my duty. And it grossed me out. I was like, I don't want to do that. And it was almost like, yeah. Yes. And, And being in a conservative church, too, you know, it's like, Part of what we are taught, kind of, is women are to be silent. We are the silent partner. We are, you know, and then, of course, you get into scripture and that whole thing comes unraveled. But it was what I thought was supposed to be. And so that was a big challenge for me because I really felt this internal turmoil. Like, man, I these are the things that set my heart on fire. But I feel like this is who I'm supposed to be. So what is the you know, how do I figure this out? How do I balance that or, or just come to terms with, you know, who I'm supposed to be? Do I just need to, to tame the crazy or something else, you know? So back to my high school story, like I had this friend that challenged me constantly. Didn't I knew what I believed, just didn't know why. But honestly, the Lord had my heart. And it was at that time that I really started diving into the word for myself and just reading my Bible. Like, I know it's in here. I know it's in here. Where is it? And I felt like the, it started to come alive for me. My faith started to come alive, you know, still grappling with who am I actually supposed to be with my true identity. But let me ask you about that identity aspect, because I know this is a lot of a struggle with a lot of different people. And the identity kind of fleshes out in ways of uh, whether you feel like you have the value, like you, you, are valued as an individual and your yeah. skill sets. And like you said, you were this, I'll call it a wild child, <laughs> but you, I mean, you just had that passion and that love for life that mm-hmm. came out. But, um, was there an internal struggle with who you were and how you were created? Is that kind of what you're, just- you know, I didn't know that I needed to even think about that. If I'm being honest, I, mm-hmm. I really didn't even know that that was an internal struggle for me. And I, I wouldn't say that I was like struggling with who I'm supposed to be. I just was struggling with who I thought I was supposed to be versus who I believed I was. So if that makes any sense, I didn't even know that I should be evaluating. Well, what is this internal struggle until later? Gotcha. And that's kind of the transition point. Yeah. So in in just kind of looking at it, you had this belief of way you should act the way you should be. And then all of a sudden, just knowing in your heart that that wasn't going to fly for the rest of your life. Right, <laughs> exactly. Button your head against exactly. the brick wall kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. And then yep. the, the question and the friend asking why you believe it wasn't, you know, too often, especially those that grow up in the church, they find that they just believe it, but they don't actually accept it as their own, right? And they don't, don't actually it. create yep. that. Why, why do I actually believe these things? And how, what difference does it make in my life? So you're looking at that. So if you could sum it up, what was the belief stepping into, or maybe it was just out of high school, maybe it was college. I don't know exactly what the timing was. Sure. What was that belief that you had of how you were going to live your life? If you could just sum it up in a short two minute statement or a one minute statement. I really just thought I needed to calm down and that it <laughs> that I was going to, it was going to take a lot of learning and a lot of discipline and a lot of training. And those are things that are all true, but 
that was really what I thought I just needed to like, okay, here's what I want to do with my life. I liked being, you know, I liked having fun. And so I knew that that wasn't going to go away. I just needed to figure out how it all worked together. If that makes sense. How did that feel in your heart? It was, you know, the other thing was that I, I knew there was more to God than I was experiencing. And so I, I, I kind of was on like, um, I'm going to just call it a journey where I was pursuing the more of God, you know, like, I mean, the foundation stuff is amazing and absolutely essential, but I was like, man, there, there's got to be more. He is a big God. He created all of this. He created these crazy looking things. How in the world can this be all there is to him? You know? And so I was really on this pursuing the more of God. And as I did that, that's when I started to understand there was actually more to me because I was created by a God who is more. That <laughs> that's sense. awesome. Well, let's transition into the the bend. I, I mean, I'm not exactly mm-hmm. sure what you would like to refer to, but all of us, we have that belief that we step into and then we sometimes get hit in the head by a two by four. I know that's what it took for me. Sometimes it's just a gentle nudge of a mentor or sometimes there's something that so what was the transition what was the situation that allowed you to really embrace how you were created yeah so two two very significant things so in college i you know just started to like pursue more went to a christian university which was incredible had amazing friends and i had friends who had been in a different climate than i had been and so just kind of really pursuing that however it was Years later, my husband and I moved to California. We were in a Bible study with a super amazing friend of ours. She was leading Bible study, and uh, it was our worship team out in California that actually was together in this Bible study. And her relationship with God inspired me. It was like she was hearing from the Lord. She was walking with him. She was asking him questions and you know stuff like that that I didn't know you could do. So her relationship with the Lord just inspired me. And I was like, man, see, there's more like, and whatever it is, I want it. You know, I want to learn more about that. And so that, that started the process. I'm going to say that started the hunger in me, but the big transition point started really started when we moved back to Michigan. We had just had our first baby and we were visiting family over in on Lake Bel Air. And there was a kind of family resort that my husband had grown up going to for vacation and his cousins were there and they were talking. Uh, in fact, you've had him on your show, actually, Dave Geyer, Dave and huh. Becky Geyer. And they were talking about this new idea. They were talking about John Eldridge's book. I don't, you know, if you're familiar with wild at heart and they were talking about this idea about there is this passion inside of us. Like we're created for specific things. Men are created for this thing. Women are created for this thing. And I remember being like, I have never heard this before. This is astonishing. I was like so into it and so hungry for it. And then Becky invited my sister-in-law, Mindy, and myself and one other gal to go to the conference. That So John wrote the book called Wild at Heart, and then his wife and he wrote a book called Captivating. And so we went to this captivating retreat out in Colorado, And it was at that point that I was, they would play these movie clips, you know, if anybody's familiar with how it rolls, but they would play these movie clips. And I remember watching one and just being like, oh my, like my heart was on fire, you know? And I'm like, 
I literally got out of my seat. We were in this theater type room. I got out of my seat, went way to the back. And I just stood there like, God, why am I so drawn to this? Like, do you want me to be an actress? Do you want like, what is it that it has my heart so on fire? So that was my question. And then a little bit later, we did these things, you know, where you just go off by yourself and just sit with the Lord. So I was sitting with him and he spoke to my heart and said, Becky, you, I'm like, God, what do I do this wild, this, this wild part of me? Like, do I just need to tame it? What, what's going on? And he said, Becky, I have created you this way for my purpose. And that was so liberating for me because I finally felt like I wasn't a mistake. I didn't have to be something else or someone else. I was exactly the way he designed me to be, which is not to say that everything's okay. I can do whatever I want. That's, you know, there's a big difference between liberty and license, I'll say. It just was liberating, like, oh my God. I I just remember like breathing, not for the first time, but you know, that sense of weight off my shoulders, like I don't have to pretend anymore. This is who I'm designed to be. This is who he's called me to be. And and it was powerful. So that was the moment. Well, let me ask you, because you said something really, really key in that whole conversation. I don't know if you realize that you said that. One of the things you said was the fact that you felt that you were a mistake. And that yeah, you felt like you were- not a mistake in birth, but that I, that my personality was, needed to be fixed, if that makes right. sense. Right, so- Part of the belief system, and we kind of talked about this, but part of the belief system of the fact that, did you believe that the personality and the way that you were created was a mistake? And then this was the first time where you felt that entire weight lift off your shoulders. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't believe the way I was created was a mistake because I knew that he had made me vibrant for his his purpose. But yeah. there was something that I felt like, still felt like I just needed to fix. That's that's probably a better way to say it than it was a mistake. That I need, there was something about my heart that I needed to fix. And Jesus was like, I've already done it. You know what I mean? I've made yeah. you this way to bring glory to me. And now pursue that, you know? And that's the part that was like, oh, I can stop striving. I can stop trying to fix the crazy and and trust that, oh, that just needs to be funneled to his purpose, if that makes sense. It, it does. I just think this is such an interesting concept because I know, and I've talked, and I'm sure you've talked, there's so many people out there that believe that either uh, their birth was a mistake or their personality mm-hmm. is a mistake or, and then to specifically use the words that you used, there's something that, that I have to fix in me. There's something that I have to change in order to be acceptable, to have value, to, yes. the list goes on and on and on. And yes. I, I really, I think I, especially with your story, I want to dial in on that because I know that's such a big, big challenge with so many is mm-hmm. that feeling of how do I fix it and is it broken? And, yeah. you know, can you maybe go a little bit deeper into that, that thought process of where you were at and how you kind of work through that with this, you know, God speaking to your heart and that situation? Yeah. yeah well, you know, I, I had, like I said, growing up conservatively, I just felt like there were all these rules that I needed to follow specifically, you know, and, and I felt like there were probably more rules for women than there were for men, you know? And so I I was like, not that I wasn't a rule breaker, I'm a rule follower. And so even in my wild, I'm still a rule follower. And so I was, I felt like I needed to like 
follow all the rules. And honestly, it was so taxing. It was stifling. And I didn't feel like I had this great freedom, though I was free from sin. And I knew that I had, you know, I didn't feel like, oh, I am alive and free and, you know, all that stuff. It was like, you know, I stand in church and sing the hymns and nobody raises their hands and da, da, da. And that is not my personality. <laughs> and so I was like, Lord, I know that you're calling me to something else that is going to capitalize on my design. And I'm really, really curious as how does this relate? Because it sounds like you were at that time, you were married and you had your child on the way or, mm-hmm. or maybe possibly even born already. But when you're looking at that component, how did everybody else around you kind of start to respond to you? Because you were just like, look, I'm going to embrace this. <laughs> I love the fact that you say it's a wild child. I mean, I said that, but I, feel like it's like, <laughs> I love that aspect of it. But like you were just really, truly ready to say, okay, God, this is how we're going to show up in the world. Yeah. And this is how we're, this is the purpose. How do people respond to you at that point? That's a very great question. It felt more internal, but after that, I felt like opportunities were more accessible you know, and I started this, started doing this life coaching company and all that kind of stuff, just because I felt like the Lord had liberated me so much. I wanted other people to experience that. And so that started to become my mantra. And I was pretty freshly back to moved had moved back to Michigan from California. So I'd been in California for a long time. They knew that's who I was anyway, my California friends, because I was California. I was like, yeah, but Gaylord was all new people anyway. I just felt fresh. You know, Mm. it felt exciting and fresh. And then that started me on this. The Lord kind of started to take me on this journey of understanding identity and who you are in Christ. A, who he designed you to be, but more importantly, who you are because of him and for his purpose. And so that really started to go deeper in that. And that was like, was that the life shift? Is that the, is that the new belief aspect of it is uh, the whole aspect of, okay, you had this encounter, this, this episode of like, look, it's okay. We, you are purposely created. And now the, the, it sounds like the false narrative of, I have to be and tame this shrew (laughs) into now I can be who I, who I was created to be. Is that now moving forward? The, what you can embrace as your narrative? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Like I know that God, every, well, I'll get to that in a second, but I know that God creates with intention, you know, he's not unintentional. And so when he creates, our job is to discover who he has designed me to be for his purpose. You know, again, not like for my purpose, this is the crazy thing about God's economy, right? Is that when we understand who we are, not only do we serve him better, but we are more fulfilled, you know, and, and it's not about just it's not about doing it for me. But that's the, that's part of the way he works. And as we do it for him, we are more fulfilled, which is that's just a crazy concept to me, you know. But I think it's all of humanity. I think that's the way we're designed. We're designed. If our purpose in life is only about me, it's only about myself, we'll be very unhappy very quickly. You know, because it's very lonely. So, yeah, and I've heard that so often. There. I've heard that so often with so many different individuals. They say that they really have found fulfillment through service, and it, they've embraced who they are through service. So, you know, moving into this whole aspect of how you live your life today, I'm sure that there's habits and patterns, and there's certain things that you have embraced and actually put into your life. But tell us about where you're at currently, and how you're living and crafting and creating your narrative. First, I take 
and I have learned this over time. It wasn't like an instant transition, but the first thing is that I know that I have to take everything to him. Like just because it's a good thing doesn't mean it's a God thing. And I can tend to get super busy and overcommitted and all the things because that's me, you know, but the answer is always yes. (laughs) Yes, precisely. You know, so I, I have to take it to him first and I'm learning that I don't do that well, but I'm, I'm learning that that's, The first thing I have to do is to take it to him because if I don't, I may be out of alignment with my purpose. Now, if you've ever been to the chiropractor and they've realigned you, you know, it's like at first it's a little uncomfortable because your muscles have gotten used to compensating. But as soon as you're realigned, it's like, oh, that's the way it's supposed to work, you know? And so when, when I say yes to something that's not his purpose for me, I will start to feel the stress and the anxiety and out of alignment with his purpose. Now, which is also not to say that every time we choose God's path, we have no stress. We know that ain't true. You know, so sometimes it's like, oh, because you're dealing with all kinds of, of things, right? Like the Lord teaches us through all of our circumstances. But I would say that's one of the first things I do is like, Lord, is this what you want? And then from there, like, I have to, I don't always, but every so often I kind of have to just sit down and go, does this make my heart, does this bring me joy? You know, maybe not in the moment, but eventually does this bring me joy? So, I mean, like parenting, you know, it's like the greatest joy. It's not, but it doesn't come without stress. (laughs) So, Oh, how we know. (laughs) Oh, how we know. So I would say that was, that would be the biggest thing, you know, and just, you know, trying to be more intentional. I have lots of days where I'm very not intentional and and they're frustrating because you feel like I am not, I am not serving my purpose well today. So this combination of quote unquote taming your personality versus embracing the personality and then really finding the alignment and then Mm -hmm. asking yourself this, this bottom line question, does it, it, does it touch into the passions and the joy of what you're really creating? Yeah. But then you just mentioned too, and I, I'm I'm sensing that there's still a kind of a fallback that you feel like you still have to tame some of the wildness, and you still have to kind of come back on track. So, can, can you talk about that? Is that yes, I can. That's an awesome question. So the other thing is, it has to feel authentic, right? Anything you pursue has to feel authentic, especially for me. But but yes, I believe that discipline is a fruit of the spirit. And so, so I do know that there is value in discipline and it's not so much of trying to be someone else. It's just owning what I have and doing it well. Does that make sense? I'll call it disciplining the gift for lack of a better term. But like I said, I mean, there's, there's a difference for me between using well, what I've been given and trying to be somebody else. I'll use this as a, maybe a quick illustration, and I, I'd love to, to find out how you got there. In, in any practice, so let's say it's martial arts, you have mm-hmm. to discipline and practice in order to become yes. a black belt and to excel in it, right? And it sounds like that's pretty much what you're saying about your own personality. You have an incredible natural ability, but without discipline, you can't refine that into a very focused purpose. Is that, yeah. and, and how did you come to that conclusion if that is the conclusion? Age. <laughs> <laughs> just 
growing up and it, you know, like if I had no discipline, I would be like, "Ah!" you know, I would, I would be very unproductive. I know when I'm productive, it makes me happy. It brings me joy when I am productive, you know, and there's lots of time for rest and all those things. But when I'm productive, it brings me joy. And in order to be productive, I have to be disciplined. And so I find that when I, when I am really honed in on the things I love, you know, and I'm able to be disciplined about like planning this event. You know, you you have to have discipline. You have to get up in the morning. You have to make the phone calls. You have to organize the things, you know, all those things. You have to communicate with people. Without it, I think we get very lost very quickly and we can tend to take, yeah, we, we tend to find ourselves on a pet, on a messy path, you know, and I love order. <laughs> so bring it on. So yeah, and it's 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 interesting to hear you say because of the order aspect, you're drawn to that order, but at the same time, you have this deep passion for celebration, and, and just yes. it's like you mentioned, it was kind of like a taming of your personality. But mm-hmm. it's such a an interesting intersection between that discipline aspect and uh, and being fun. If we're disciplined, we can't have fun, but you're saying there's a combination there between the two. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's actually fun for me to be disciplined. So even getting to the gym, you know, like I know that that's part of my design. Like I love health. I love to be healthy. I love to, you know, all of that. And, uh, and when I started getting into fitness, I fell in love with it. So almost got obsessed with it, which was not healthy, but the discipline of working out brings me joy. Mm, yeah. All right. So as we kind of conclude, is there anything on your heart that you're like, man, I didn't get to talk about this, but I need to share this. Or is there something that if, if they're listening, if somebody's listening, that you have to, maybe you need to repeat something that you felt like was really, truly, I'm, I'm going to just give you the, the platform and allow you to just share what it is that's really heavy. Fair enough. I would honestly, I I think I want to go this direction. So you're familiar with Sigmund Freud. His fundamental belief was that man's chief desire, you know, like pursue desire. And Viktor Frankl was a contemporary of Sigmund Freud. And he was a Jewish Australian physicist or psychiatrist rather. And he believed that man's chief desire was meaning. And so they kind of were at odds with each other. But he said that when people can't find meaning, that's when they they develop depression, anxiety, all those things. And he suggested that people need three things to improve their mental health. And he actually proved this in they were, you know, there was a mental health hospital. They had like an insane. Uh, have you heard all this? Yeah. I know the book. Keep talking. I'm yeah. good. Yeah. So they, um, you know, he had, there was mental health hospital and there was like an 85% suicide rate, something crazy, you know? And he was like, man, this can't be right. So he started to do the research and, and, and implemented a program where they focused on three things. Number one, have a project or vision, something you're working towards that you're building. You got to have community. Life is not meant to be experienced in a vacuum. And you have to have a redemptive perspective on suffering. The guy was not a Christian, but if you think about that, like it says in James, in the book of James, it says, consider it pure joy when you face trials. The tough stuff is actually for our benefit if we choose to view it that way. And so here's a guy that had come out of concentration camps, you know, and chose to view it in a positive light. Like the whole thing was 
obviously absolutely abhorrent, like absolutely horrible, but he chose to pull the good lesson out of it. So teaching kids to have a redemptive perspective on suffering. And so when they implemented those three things in these kids' lives, their suicide rate went from like 85% to zero, not, not 2%, not 10% reduction to zero. So when you have community, you live in purpose and you have a perspective where you believe that the hard things that I deal with are actually for my benefit, that helps us I just, I'm going to just say live with purpose and passion. I don't need to add anything to that. It's so <laughs> awesome. And I've heard it, but I, I love the way that you actually presented it because I've heard that story and, and we've talked, I, I've had other people share that, but the way that you presented it is absolutely key. Uh, and so if somebody's listening and they, and they resonated with what you had to say and they, Hey, like, I really need to reach out to Becky. How can somebody get a hold of you? Yeah. Email me or, I mean, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I think I'm Becky Mason Bam on Instagram. Bam! <laughs> Becky Mason Bam. Of course and, you are. <laughs> of course I am. I'm Becky Mason on Facebook. Or you can hit me at Rebecca Mason, R-E-B-E-C-C-A Mason, M-A-S-O-N, 234 at yahoo.com. It's old school, but I've been around a while. So, I mean, we've covered a lot of stuff here. So I'll get the links. Make sure that we put those in the notes. If you're listening, if you're watching, we'll make sure we get links in the notes. Second of all, we've actually mentioned about three or four different books, if my memory serves me. We have uh, John Eldridge's book, which is Wild at Heart, Captivating. About the Heart of a Man, Captivating About the Heart of a Woman. Correct. And so you've got two of those that we first started with. And then Victor Frankel actually wrote a book called The Search for Meaning, I believe is what it was. Yes. And he probably got a couple right. of other books. And so there's a lot of background. If you're following, listening, there's a lot of other stuff. So make sure you check the notes. We're going to put all of that stuff in the notes. Man, this has been fun. This has been fun. It 30 has minutes been fun. really, really fast. <laughs> um, but I really fast. appreciate you. I appreciate you being able to be on the show, share your story, share the background. I know so many people struggle sometimes trying to find that balance in life between the meaning aspect and then just being passionate and following all of their purposes. So thank you for sharing. So folks, until next time, make sure you continue to write your story. Make sure you continue to live out the way that you have as far as for a purpose. Take these three points that Becky, and if, I'm not going to say them again. You got to go back and rewind it, but take the three points because that's- And you're designed for a purpose. That's the big one. You are designed for it. <laughs> exactly. So, all right. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to today's show. But before you go, let me ask you a question. How would you like to be the author of your story? Take the next step now at www.narrative.live. Enter your details to connect with a community of others just like you that are tired of living under the false narrative. Finding your true story and writing your narrative, it will give you clarity, freedom of your day, and it just might change your life forever.